Welcome one, welcome all. We are glad you're with us. Hour number two of the Bill Michaels Show. You had a big weekend. Brewers playing baseball. Get a, finally got a win yesterday. You've got uh, the Masters comes to a completion. You've got the NBA season coming to a completion. Now the uh, the NBA postseason gets underway. you got the draft, which is almost upon us a couple of weeks away. But uh, our focus right now getting more so into baseball and to talk more about it, long-time friend, a good voice, too, our buddy Adam McCalvey from Brewers.com, MLB.com, and they've got the Brewers Behind the Scenes podcast, all that kind of good stuff, uh, joining us on the hotline. Adam, how you doing, pal? Oh, I got the newsletter that's new this year. We got the podcast. I mean, I'm doing everything but a good job at my writing. <laughs> I get the newsletter. That's pretty cool. I like that. Uh, I have only listened okay. to one of the podcasts, so that's kind of cool. Well, and Tim Dillard two, is fantastic. So five hundred. Okay, okay. I wanted to make sure I haven't missed uh, many more than that. But uh, Tim Dillard's fantastic. I love catching all that stuff. So let me, first and foremost, uh, give me your thoughts of, about the weekend itself. I mean, I think there were some people that had some raised eyebrows about Woodruff coming out of spring training. Obviously didn't help the case on, on Saturday. You got the bean ball that went on and took place regarding Andrew McCutcheon uh, the other day as well. So give me your thoughts of what came out over the weekend. Yeah, you know, the thing that stands out most to me is the pitching, and we all had questions coming in about what it would look like early for these guys after three spring training starts. They're at least one behind usual, probably two, and they knew it was coming, so all those guys did a lot of work to get ready and get the arms ready, but just lacking that game competition, I think it showed. I mean, the, the one thing that stands out above all is all three guys walked the first batter, I doubt that's going to happen again very often in a turn through the rotation with Burns, Woodruff, and Freddie Peralta. So they, they'll need a little time, I think, to, to get into this. Uh, they were all in the 80-ish pitch range for the first outing. And now next time it'll be more like no restrictions, kind of just manage the game. I don't think they're going to throw 120 pitches because they just don't, you know, pitchers just don't do that anymore. Teams don't let their pitchers go that far anymore especially with the extra roster spots here in April. But I think it'll be less restrictive than that first outing, and it'll look a little more like normal. So that's the thing that stands out to me the most is getting those starters out into the season is going to be the task. Keep them healthy, and they all said that they came out of it just fine. The uh, the hitting itself, um, not bad. It was 19 hits for the weekend and played it a few runs, yeah. showed a little bit of power. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm not, you know, overly concerned about hitting or anything like that. I mean, obviously that first game, all of a sudden you had all the people that wanted to see Craig Council Bunt come out of the woodwork. But beyond that, uh, it, it's yeah. just, you know, look, it's just getting hitters prepared for the season. That's about it. Well, look, and, and I think the Brewers have been in a National League club long enough now that the fans watching know that the ballpark plays such a factor there in Chicago more than any other place on the planet. And the first two days, the wind was blowing straight in off the lake. So you knew there was not going to be any power. And there wasn't. There was one home run in the first two games. Then yesterday was a different kind of day, at least for the right-handed hitters. And you saw some homers, including Mike Brasso, with a really cool moment that I wrote about a kid who grew up crawling around Wrigley Field. His dad was an executive at Tribune Corp. So he got to run around the field all the time as a kid and dreamed of doing what he did yesterday, even if it, you know, he didn't dream about it being against the Cubs necessarily. Um, so you know, that's a big part of it. And look, day one, there was a little bit of like, a, oh no, here they go again. Offensively, it was, was it one for 10 with runners in scoring position, if my memory serves? That was a big problem for late last year, obviously, where the offense kind of went lights out. But 
they think they're going to be a, a better offense. Like, here we are again. They think they're going to get more out of Christian Yelich. Uh, they think Hunter Renfro is going to be a good addition in terms of the power and in terms of the arm and right field. They like what they have offensively, and it's a matter of going out and performing because with the pitching they have, I keep saying this, you just need to be average offensively. And you can be a really, really good team, especially in a division that's not very strong. So I think that they could just be a little bit better offensively that portends a very good season. I think if you look on the bright side, uh, Christian Yelich hit the ball. Uh, you've got, obviously, Adamas hitting the ball. you got a few of the guys that you're relying upon hitting the ball. So I'm not concerned about that. At what point, uh, Adam, you and I have talked about this almost seemingly every year. At what point do you look at a guy and go, okay, this is kind of who they are on the season. Is it like, you know, 100 at-bats? Is it 50 at-bats? Is it, you know, a month or a half, two months into the season? When do you start to look at a guy and go, okay, this is what he is? Well, it's whenever it suits what you're trying to t- <laughs> what you're trying to say, right? So, you know, right. like I, would, I think Craig Council would normally say 100 at-bats for a guy, 100 plate appearances, before you start drawing any conclusions and start making decisions. And if you think about it, that's, you know, that's quite a way into the year for most guys, especially with the way they platoon and switch guys in and out of the lineup, which is just the norm in baseball now. But the beauty of that is, you know, if a guy gets off to a great start, they're going to talk about what a, what a great thing it is. And if he gets off to a bad start, they're going to talk about, oh, he doesn't have enough plate appearances to draw any conclusions yet. So that's the beauty of baseball is you can always massage those numbers to make it say what you want it to say. The uh, go back to the pitching staff. Hater looked sharp yesterday, which I I found yeah. tr- tremendous. I was I was good with that. Um, the rest of the starting rotation, obviously, uh, I said, look, it was such a ramp up to me. It wasn't about coming out and getting off to a fast start. It's about getting your work in still and getting through the first month of the season pretty much injury free and just allowing guys to fall into their routine. It, do you see it the same way? Well, yeah, and I think that goes back to this shorter. I mean, that is a factor that because of the lockout, everything got started really three weeks later than it normally would have. And then they played 18 exhibition games instead of something like 30. And that's just going to have an impact no matter how much preparation these guys did at home. I actually give them credit and Craig Council and Chris Hook did give them credit for the work that everybody did before coming to Maryvale because everybody knew at some point that well they sure hoped that at some point you were going to get word okay the lockout's over see you tomorrow and if you just roll in out of the street you're going to be in big trouble so I think everybody did a very good job of getting themselves ready but it's different it's different when you're facing a different uniform and even those spring training games are quote-unquote just spring training they do need those those reps in order to get ready for a year so even the relievers, this is a short camp, shorter than usual. For some guys, that's just fine. I think for Hater, one, you know, that's just fine. Other guys need some time, and every pitcher is a little bit different. And, you know, you mentioned Brandon Witter at the beginning, Bill. He's a guy that every spring, they say, wishes there was another one more exhibition start. He just is a guy that wants the time to get going. You know, he's like the anti-Ryan Braun for a pitcher, where Braun is a hitter. He rolled in, wanted to play like three games, and he's ready to go. Other guys need a lot more than that. So it's just so different for every guy. And I think we're going to see that some players are unaffected and others, um, it will take them a little bit longer to get out there into the season. Um, so it's, 
these early games, you know, we always say don't don't overreact one way or the other in April. Um, that's probably more true than ever in 2022. Give me your thoughts, or at least what the word is, between Victor Caratini, Omar Nevarez, and the Pitch.com wristband and how it's being received, used, utilized, and accepted with uh, everybody in between. You know, I was actually surprised that they broke those out right away because they were one of the later clubs who adopted in spring training, and so much of the work that they did with it was on the side instead of in the games. So I wasn't sure they were going to use it, but here we get into the regular season and they're using it. And it seems like it's going pretty smoothly. Caratini, they say, used it less in Padres camp than Narvaez did with the Brewers. So there's going to be instances where they just do the traditional sign. But the idea is basically as the catcher is throwing the ball back to the pitcher, he's punching in those codes in order to get the, the pitch call and the location. And then the voice says it to the pitcher. So like as the pitcher is doing that little walk to the mound and getting out of the mound, he knows what the catcher wants. And the idea is mostly to speed up the game. And then the secondary thing is that it, it does limit the opportunity for sign stealing if you've got runners on base. But I think the speeding up the game thing is going to be a big part of it. And I think the, the early feedback from pitchers is uh, a lot of them like it because even though it's different right now and they're getting used to it, it keeps them in a little better rhythm. Like Josh Lindblom was a guy. Uh, who used it very early on in camp. And he thinks that psychologically it's going to be a really good thing because before you ever put your foot on the mound, you and the catcher are on the same page in terms of what you're going to do. And he thinks that just from a conviction standpoint, that's going to play into the pitcher's favor as they go forward. So it's interesting little piece of tech, another you know little development in the game, something that happens. And I think a lot of fans in the stands don't even notice it because it happens so fast. But if it can shave those few seconds between every pitch for the pitchers looking into the sign, I think we'd all agree that that's a good thing. They're just trying to make every effort to speed this thing up. What uh, When you talk about speeding up the game, the only question I have is in big moments and big game situations with loud crowds, is it audible enough for the pitchers to hear it, or will they have to then resort back to the uh, actual signs? Well, they always will have the signs as a fallback, so that's going to be incumbent on everybody to just keep sharp on that skill and know the signs and the combinations, especially, again, when you have runners on base, especially against a team that's known for being good at picking those things up. Um, and so far, you know, they've, they had opening day at Wrigley, but it was such a cold day. It wasn't like a normal opening day crowd to me. Um, today is a nicer day in Baltimore. Let's see how it is for Adrian Hauser if it gets loud here. The Orioles aren't, you know. Very good. But I think opening day in Baltimore, I think it'd be a lively crowd, a historic baseball city, one of the best ballparks on earth. I'm hoping it's a, it's a big, loud crowd today. So it would be a good test of that. But so far, the guys have said that it, it is audible enough and they've been able to make it work. But, you know, look, you saw, Bill, if you noticed Brandon Woodruff, there were times where he kind of had his glove over his ear listening for it. So it's something that mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sure they'll continue to work on. Talking with Adam McCalby at Brewers.com and MLB.com for a couple more minutes. It's opening day in Baltimore as he had stated the Brewers on the road and back at it on Thursday. Uh, I want to go back to Andrew McCutcheon and his explanation regarding the whole beanball situation. Look, I, I get it that the, there's a lot of times, uh, you know, the Brewers, or not necessarily the Brewers, but a lot of teams, 
you end up hitting one of the Cubs, specifically their catcher, who leans out over the plate more often than not, and, and some people understand that. But as McCutcheon stated, I didn't. when McCutcheon got fired up, I get it. You get one bite at the apple. You don't get two, and you don't work a count that way by going with a breaking pitch and then coming in on the guy, trying to hit him, and then coming at him again because you got him guessing because he got hurt that way. I, is that an under do, – do everybody does everybody understand that, or is that just deemed as McCutcheon crying? No, no. I think, look, here's a situation where I sort of see where everybody is coming from. The Brewers hit the Cubs a lot, and they hit Wilson Contreras a lot. And it's even, you know, when you look at the hit-by-pitch numbers over the last couple of years, it's pretty much even – but a lot of that is because the Cubs are coming back and hitting Brewers guys. And we saw, you remember last year, Ryan Tapera, the reliever, threw behind Brandon Woodruff and it created a mm-hmm. whole thing. Um, look, the, Contreras is right on the plate. He's going to get hit, and he And I think the Brewers hit him as much or more as every other team. So I understand that guys don't like to get hit. I also very much understand where Andrew McCutcheon is coming from. And as he said, that's kind of, uh, you know, there's history for him. What he didn't like is that the first pitch was a cutter on the outside corner for a strike. And as McCutcheon said, you know, when you do that and then you come three straight pitches, fastballs in at my wrist, what are you trying to do there? Why are you throwing that first pitch strike away to get me, what, leaning over the plate or think you're not going to do it and now you come back in and do it? His argument was you're trying to hurt me in that situation. And I understand his beef there. And as McCutcheon said, maybe – but it's a younger team, and hopefully there's – he hoped that there were some guys that have been around a little bit more to say to, in this case, it was Keegan Thompson, the reliever, like, that's not how you do it. If you're going to do it, do it on the first pitch and be done with it. So I, I understand where both sides are coming. The, the hard part for me is, like, how does that end? If, if, as long as Wilson Contreras remains a cub, it just seems to me like the possibility is there for something bad to happen to somebody – and I'm just not that into that. I'm, I'm not really into somebody getting hurt and missing time because Contreras is crowding a plate and gets clipped, and then the Cubs are going to come back and retaliate. I don't think that's very good baseball. Um, so I, I just don't know how you break that cycle at this point because it, it's a thing, it seems, at least once a year every time these Cubs face each other that this becomes there's some intentional plunking going on. And just count me as, as someone who's not a fan of that. Adam, fantastic stuff. We'll continue to get the uh, the newsletter, watch the podcast, look for all your uh, anything and everything because you're just everywhere now. You're like the wind, man. You're just a media guy, guy, you know, everywhere. I'm like a boil that you can't heal. <laughs> okay, we'll see you on opening day. The podcast will come tomorrow. We're gonna we're gonna do the podcast tomorrow morning, and it'll be out as soon as they can get it produced and edited and. Tomorrow, it's just me and Dillard, so there's a chance it's going to be an utter disaster. So I would I would definitely make sure if, you, if people haven't subscribed yet, do it, because it might be terrible. Nah, I know. It's anything and everything. And, and any, put it this way. Dillard is doing nothing more than riding your coattails, so I'm, I'm trusting you on the wow. lead on this. Yeah. Okay, well, I, I am <laughs> like the quote-unquote host tomorrow, so I'll try to keep it on the rail. <laughs> okay. All right, buddy, we'll talk to you soon. Good to talk to you, and then we'll see you back at uh, Battle of American Family Field later this week, okay? All right, see you, Bill. Thanks, pal. Talk to you later. There you go, Adam McCalvey. We'll see him at American Family Field Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday as uh, the Brewers come back home and they uh, take on, uh, God, they've got uh, St. Louis, they got Pittsburgh. 
uh, coming up uh, a week from today. I'll be down there for that. And then uh, they hopefully have more than a few wins under their belt at that point in time. But he's right on a lot of that stuff. I, I, I love the insight. Uh, there's, you know, for those that have this panic mode, don't panic. You know, it's it's very calming to say, you know what? You can't read too much into it. Let's wait till 100 at-bats to really start to judge a guy. Let's wait till at least a month's worth of starts for pitchers. Brandon Woodruff wanted to go at least one or two more starts in spring training before getting into the regular season. So we'll see if he settles back down. But uh, just, you know, kind of good to get that first weekend out of the way, if you will, and just kind of move on from there. Stay tuned. We got more of the Bill Michael Show next. Ready? This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Welcome. Glad to have you back. The Bill Michael Show, final hour of the program today. This portion brought to you by our friends at Skipper Buds. And I drove past there because I had to go check on the engine, uh, on my, my boat engine being installed. And drove past there, and uh, there was two, not one, but two different, uh, I can't call them semis, but they were semi-tractors, not trailers, but uh, of boats that were arriving at to the location here in Pewaukee. And if you were looking for a new boat, used boat, uh, pontoon, sporting deck boat, fishing boat, cruisers, they got it. They, Oh, my goodness, are they getting them in. Finally, those things are starting to fly in. Uh, not literally, but uh, you know, you get what I'm saying. So uh, if you're looking for one, by all means, get a hold of my, my buddy Todd. He is the general manager of Skipper Buds over there in Pewaukee, 262-544-1200, skipperbuds.com. You can go to any location in the state of Wisconsin and look around for any of the boat you want. But if you're going to make a deal, get a hold of Todd, 262-544-1200. That's 262-544-1200. Again, 262-544-1200. Talking about the Packers uh, just before we went to the top of the hour break. And um, this was was from over on the Bud Light live stream. Brian writes, totally agree with Rodgers only being here uh, on the short term. Uh, Don't have time to draft and develop only. Uh, blew that chance with the uh, DJ Moore pick, uh, St. Brown pick. MBS didn't ha- develop quite fast enough either. So you got to be right on this one. Completely agree. That it it changes things. Look, if you have a number one, okay, and you have Jordan Love taken over, and you're looking long term down the road, Jameis Williams, your guy. If he's there, he's your guy. Speed still kills at the NFL level. And he has had freakish speed. Now, we'll see what he's got when he comes back from this ACL. But he was was a freak at Alabama. The ACL injury in the national championship game, that's going to place a cap on how high maybe he gets drafted. But he's, he's, he's the real deal when it comes to speed. He was running a, a low 4-3 in college before the knee injury. Okay? Speed kills. So, and he's got ball-catching ability. He's, the, he's that good. He can get downfield. He can go up and get a ball. He's, he's, that, he's that real deal. And runs after the catch. If the guy got loose at all, good night. Good night, sweet prince. You weren't catching him. Okay? So that's first and foremost. But you need contributors. 
You needed that right now guy. You you have to have him. So as much as you look at possibly drafting a project, now maybe he comes back this year and can help you in some way, shape, or form, but you are going into your season with Randall Cobb, Alan Lazard, Jawan Winfrey, Malik Taylor, Rico Gafford, Amari Rogers, and Chris Blair. Who scares you? Who do you have to specifically game plan for? Right now, probably the guy with the biggest upside would be Amari Rogers, and he didn't show you much last year. His development was stunted because of the presence of Randall Cobb. Alan Lazard is probably your best route runner, but how open is he going to be without the presence of Devontae Adams? You have got to get a here-and-now guy or two. Or three. When I go back to, and I've, I've stated this time and again, when I go back to the teams that were going deep into the postseason, you look at what Cincinnati had. They had Jamar Chase. They had T. Higgins. They had Tyler Boyd. They had Trenton Irwin. They had Mike Thomas. They had Stanley Morgan. But the first three, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, they had three really good wide receivers. Any one of those guys would be a number one on the Green Bay Packers. Any one of them. Every damn one. Go to L.A. When they had Van Jefferson, OBJ, Allen Robinson, Cooper Cup. Any one of those guys. Well, they didn't have Allen Robinson. I take that back. They signed him. But they had Van Jefferson and Cooper Cup. Any one of those guys, including OBJ, today would be a number one on the Green Bay Packers. They've got three Four wideouts. Packers don't have any. You've got to get an established wideout. You've got to. No doubt about it. Look at a guy. Let's say, look at a team like, say, Arizona. You're getting back DeAndre Hopkins, Rondell Moore, Antoine Wesley. After that, you get thin, but you still got three legit wideouts. Three of them. Take Tampa Bay, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Russell Gage. Three legit wideouts. And if indeed you get Gronk back, which right now it looks like he may not come back, but you still have Cameron Brait at tight end. You still got Leonard Fournette, who they re-signed. Giovanni Bernard, who backs him up. At the running back position, they can all catch pass. You you got a pretty good team. It's not great, but you still have a pretty good team. You you just you need that guy. Now don't forget that you still have a few guys that are out in the open market, and then the June first cutdowns are going to happen, and we all know that. But it's it's the other aspect of this is it's what can you afford. As of right now, you're, what, $16 million under the cap? By the time you get done spending the money on your uh, on your rookies, you're, you're what, $8 million under the cap? And you want to keep at least 10 for in-season, which means you're already $2 million short. You're going to have to redo Dean Lowry, and you're going to have to come to a contract agreement with Jair. 
before you go out and sign anybody. All of this still has to happen. So I just, your best way to go about it is probably going to be to spend some of the draft capital that you have now or in the future on a veteran to come in and help you out. It's, it's, I, I look at it this way, and I know some of you don't want to mortgage your entire future on the now. But if you look at it this way, you've, you've, you've spent all this capital and money and effort on bolstering your defense, right? Your defense is, is pretty good. If you look at it top to bottom on paper, it's pretty good. The addition of John, Jerron Reed, and then you're hoping to maybe pick up another edge rusher or a defensive lineman in the draft, add to that, maybe get a safety just in case Adrian Amos is gone after next year. Okay, you've got, you, you're looking a little to the future, but you're stockpiling the here and the now. You are ready to make this thing go. Okay, hoping Rashawn Gary continues to take another step. Preston Smith gives you another solid year. Jerron Reed is a really good body alongside Kenny Clark. You've already got Devondre Campbell. You went out and kept him, right? So you've got these guys, Rasul Douglas, you've got these guys in the fold. You're like, let's make another run. Here we go. And then you've got Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon. Your offensive line, Bakhtiari's coming back, and you don't know how good he's going to be, but you still, eventually you're going to get back Elton Jenkins. And you got a little bit of a depth issue there, but you know you're pretty good. You've got, you know, you brought back Bobby Tanyan, you know, because Rodgers loves that guy, and he, you know, and you still have Mercedes Lewis, so you're ready to go. But it's kind of like having this really nice sports car all polished up and ready to go, and it's, man, you look at it, and here comes that Ferrari. You come down the driveway, you're ready to race, only to realize you got a four-cylinder engine in it. You, you, you need a bigger engine. You can't, you can't run fast with the big boys if you're only going to run a four-cylinder. It's a great-looking engine. It's a great-looking car, but it's only a four-cylinder. Why are you shortchanging yourself when you're ready to race right now? You wouldn't do that. Otherwise, all of this is just window dressing. You know? It's kind of like going out and spending a ton of money on power hitters, but your pitching staff absolutely sucks, and you do nothing to improve it. You're going to lose games. So why are you spending all the money? That's the reason I believe you got to go out and find somebody for the here and the now. That's my thought. Eight seven seven eight six seven sixteen seven. 1670-877-867-1670. Give us a shout. 877-867-1670. ESPN Steve says cuts are going to be made in June. And again, at the end of training camp, uh, they won't find a one, but there'll be uh, some talent that's going to be available. I completely agree with that. But you need a one. You need, you need it, put it this way, you need at least three legit starters. Now, if you consider Alan Lazard to be a legit starter, okay, then you need two. But you need at least three. Otherwise, what are you doing? And why are you doing it? Otherwise, you should have just let Rodgers go and then just started over. But we all know, look, the window of opportunity is real. Two years. It's two years. And this is not the year to draft and develop. 
This is the year that we're going to find bona fide players that are going to help us right now. There's going to be some guys you're going to draft for depth. Offensive line, defensive front, outside edge rusher, guys like that, maybe a safety. Okay, I get it. But for the most part, this is about finding guys that are going to play right now. That's what you have to have. Otherwise, you just paid Rodgers a buttload of money to come back and manage a four-cylinder Ferrari. It's a Ferrari, but it's a four-cylinder, and it's not going to race with the big boys because you just don't have enough horsepower. Rodgers will get you a lot of wins. He'll still get you seven, eight, nine, ten wins maybe. But once you get to that postseason and you're facing really good defenses who can take one, maybe two guys out of the mix, you have to rely on one guy. Who's the Who's the guy? Do you think Alan Lazard gets that wide open without Devontae Adams? Hell no. Not at all. Come on. Not at all. So what are you doing? You're spinning your wheels, man. That's it. Spinning your wheels. 877-867-1670. Agree or disagree? Hit us up over on Twitter as well. At Bill underscore Michaels. At Bill underscore Michaels. By the way, TJ says, the clouds go away quickly. I'm on Wisconsin's West Coast lacrosse area. Had the clouds in the morning, but it's uh, clear blue skies. Good for you. Good for you, TJ. Still got some sun in the area here. A little bit. Clouds, then sun, clouds and sun, and they say more clouds and blech for the rest of the week. It's going to be warmer on Wednesday, but uh, the chance of showers and thunderstorms are about 70%, so it's going to be warmer, but it's going to be wet and warmer. So I'm not necessarily fond of that. Stay tuned. we got a lot more of the Bill Michael Show. It's all coming up. Coming up next. Following Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. The Bill Michael Show Podcast. Listen, rate, subscribe.